Hello, and welcome to the LVP Architects podcast. In this episode, we're going to touch on the do's and don'ts of a case study, just to help a little bit further uh, so that you don't get overwhelmed. So I think, first of all, you need to, um, if you've not done this sort of reporting before, if you've never done a case study before, um, you need to view it clearly that it is not a diary of a project. You know, you're not going to start writing about day one, we had a meeting, day two, I typed up those minutes, day three, we went on site, day four, well, you know, etc., etc. That's not what this is about. Um, the case study is basically your demonstration of project or projects that you've been involved in that show you understand the stages of a project. So ideally there are some some issues that occur in your project so that you can focus your case study on that, on, on why it happened, how it could have been avoided, what, were the, what the resolution was in, in this instance, uh, what could have been done. It'll be very difficult to demonstrate your understanding of all the the stages of a project and how contractually it all works if you focus entirely your word count on one issue that may have occurred during your project. So the the don't on this is don't focus on one thing and and don't treat it as though it's some form of diary. So uh, step one of the do is do go through all of the projects that you've been involved in, you know, um, and what stages you've been involved in. Gather as much information. So the information you're looking for is obviously appointment based. So um, your appointments or any other appointments. Um, so you understand who's who's involved and when and what procurement route. So whether it is a traditional DMB, two and stage or whatever it may have been. Um, so you can gain all that information even if you weren't involved in those stages. So you're you're trying to get a full understanding of each project that you've been involved in. And then what you want to do is collect all of that information, or at least know, know where it is. So the information you're trying to collect is, is to get a full understanding of the design team, of, of any um, client or clients, whether it's multi-headed, um, so simply put, if, if someone was to come around and ask you about the project you worked on, you may not have worked in all the stages, but you understand it. You understand everything from the beginning to, to the end, if, if it's reached that point, um, up from appointments, and like I say, um, to all the stages that were involved, so planning, any issues in that, um, any sign-off issues, construction issues, you know, or whatever it is. So you, you can give a, a nice summary of your project to anyone who asks you. So with regards to issues, what you're, when I say by issues, it's something that may have occurred um, that you're looking for that could have been avoided or that something could have been done that would have altered that path. Um, so it could be early stage, you know, it could be a planning or an appointment um, issue, or it could be during construction, you know, th or, or, or handover. It's something that affects the time, the sign-off, um, cost, you know, you're, you're looking for these sort of things so that you can delve in as to the reasons why and and then sort of this will tag on to your potential questions that you might ask in your case study. 
you so before I go into the, the topic of questions of your case study, um, you need to remember that the reason you sort of begin structuring all this is because you shouldn't just dive into the case study and just type away unless you have it all structured in your brain. Um, this is not just to demonstrate you do understand Reba stages zero to seven, you understand the process of a project and you understand how to argue, um, uh, do you, or review projects. It's also to demonstrate you understand how to put these kind of reports together because though you won't do a case, in theory, you won't do a case study again, the principles of this apply to what you may produce in your architectural career. You know, feasibility studies are an example, you know, um, mid-stage reports. You know, you will have to learn how to organise and structure reports. So this is also to demonstrate that, not just simply, uh, not just that you understand the timeline of a project. Also, what's useful about this is if you begin to formulate your structure of your case study, you can submit that quite early on to your tutor to get feedback that you're on the right path. There's nothing sort of worse than writing, I don't know, 20 pages, giving it to your tutor and your tutor's going, you're, you're, you're rambling here or this, this has no, no clear path and you're running out of words as well. So it, it's it's wasting your time and actually your tutor's time. So the reason you're investigating all your projects that you've been involved in is because it's it's quite difficult to have been involved in one project all the way through that has enough issues within it that you could ask three main questions for your case study. So these uh, questions are, which I've touched upon on, on other podcasts, is they should ideally relate to have a connection and linking in with your other projects if you're using more than one um, and should try and demonstrate that it, that something occurred um, how you could have avoided or changed it um, for a better outcome or solution had you chosen a different procurement method or different forms of appointments or um, different consultants being involved or not involved. If you predominantly had projects that ran really smoothly and you had no issues um, that you think are worthy for to be included in the case study, then you start sort of your fallback position uh, and or or one of your questions, as it were, um, can be about the choice of procurement. You know, why was that chosen? When was it chosen, obviously? Um, why was it chosen? And and was it the right choice? You know, going through it, it all went smoothly. Does that mean that it was, it was perfect? It was the right decision? And demonstrate in comparing, had you taken a different procurement route, it would have worked just as well or would have come out a lot worse or there would have been quality issues or time issues you know or whether a uh, single stage or two stage adaption of the type you'd use would have been better so you can still always fall back on these things because remember you're demonstrating you understand how a project works so you could touch upon appointments when when someone was appointed you know if it was a, a two stage it would have benefited because the contractor would have been appointed much earlier on giving some further input so we'd have had some cost much more cost certainty at that stage or, or advice 
of how the market's performing and what way what kind of structural system to use you know whatever it whatever the um, advantages that could have helped speed up or con- um, cost control or or whatever it be that you think may have could have potentially helped this project or demonstrate how actually if you'd gone down any other path it wouldn't have at all in any way so there is obviously a word limit so uh, a way of describing you know the hierarchy of things or the contractual connections between all parties is doing diagrams and they are also helpful for you to to clearly demonstrate you understand the path of, of communication and and it helps you can then have um, comparison diagrams you know so any information that you've got you know you should understand how to use appendices how to reference them um, and make sure that any sensitive information so if you do include emails as evidence or appointment documents that you black out any private information so ideally your questions would would be sequential as well in terms of the linear path of a project so um, ideally I suppose you may do a question on the early stages um, another question your second question rather on on construction period and your third question um, of defects and handover order. ideally you want that but if it doesn't quite work out like that that's, that's fine as long as your questions are broadly demonstrating your understanding of the running of a project and and the relationships within that project so you know your early stages question could be something about the types of planning you know this project went through the standard process of planning applications and it had hiccups here there or the other you know you could discuss about the alternative planning options that were mentioned or were ignored um so you know outline planning whether that would help at all in this scenario um whether it would have helped for more funding or 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 slowly progress the application progress in steps to get permission further along the line you know you could then a question could be about uh, appointments your appointment you know maybe your appointment is covers the full path of a project from you could discuss about how you weren't appointed early enough perhaps or maybe the type of appointment you had was was um, uh, dumbed down in terms of scope of services because of the client's concern of your cost so you you know you lowered it you took some services out um, which may have hindered later on perhaps you know or what additional services you could have provided to have helped in the early stages uh, you could talk about novation if it's relevant or or perhaps this is your underlying um, commentary about the types of procurement you know um, novation is quite a uh, uh, an easy and obvious one, I guess. You know, you, you could discuss the issues of conflict of interest, which everyone really is aware of. You know, how how the whole system works, how the appointment is set up, how the building contract is affected by that. You know, you can start delving into those sort of things. You know, um, your client side, you're transferred across. There's clauses in the building contract that state this, um, or perhaps your your retained client side. There is no no novation of you, but there's novation. There there is um, 
rather there's an appointment of there's an ovation stroke appointment of the same practice but it's a different team under the contractor side so again you could start talking about any conflicts within that how it all works you know liabilities etc etc so as you can see it's not necessarily that issues have occurred or did occur you could delve deeper into your appointment and and start exploring the options that are available and what the consequences or advantages of that would have been you know and, and what that allows you to do is then to sort of uh, link in your other questions along that similar path so maybe your project went smoothly but in the, in the eyes of it was on time it was you know on budget and the client signed it off and was happy with it but you could review it in the sense of well actually it was a dmb and we were novated across but had it been a traditional the construction period though may have been delayed because we'd have to have done so much work up front so that there'd be a clear tender and and all the design the main design decisions would have been dealt with before at that point you know you can delve in and, and review how that would have affected would it have been an advantage or not advantage so a do in this is um, do structure your questions do start thinking about whether there was issues if there wasn't where were there key moments that you could utilize to branch off and um, investigate other appointment types or contract types or or appointments of other consultants or whatever it may be and branch out a bit so don't don't worry about if your project wasn't the most interesting project the type of project you could you know if if you only did housing you could then sort of discuss the differences of those kind of projects versus a government project or whatever it would be if you understand the consequences of that contractual wise so then you could talk about types of of building contracts you know nec jcts whatever it may be that allows you to discuss it so that you can demonstrate your understanding of the effects of those contracts and those the, and what that will have on your project or why it is not particularly useful for your project if one of your questions is during the construction period then you're going to be delving into more about the contractual side of things clauses um, communication lines you know that sort of thing so you, you're going to be doing quite a bit of diagrammatic stuff as well to aid you in that so you don't use all your word count but again you can delve into the these are the clauses relevant for this stage and the reason that i'm you know you're bringing this to the attention is this is the procedure that should have been done or perhaps it's compared to this building contract where these clauses are non-existent or much clearer or, or whatever your your point is so once you the reason i say three uh, questions is because um most case studies there's there's a limit a word count limit and it just balances out that if you if you have three main questions and, and you sort of cover th those three main areas like I say of um, pre-construction construction and post-construction phases then it it covers broadly the project you know whether the first question was based on project a and the second and the third question is project d it doesn't doesn't really matter as long as there's some sort of connection 
um, or overarching connection, it's it's kind of useful. Um, if not, it can be you know isolated different questions of points that you're you're trying to make across. Make sure your your sections of your questions are clear. You know, so you've got your little intro, your argument based, and then your conclusion. Um, you know, and your argument is your investigation element. And you do that for all three, and then at the end you maybe have a summary conclusion of points, but I I wouldn't recommend that you just, well, it depends how you structure it, but I don't think having a one mass conclusion at the, un, at the end is uh, a good structure. One thing to add here is as you begin to flesh out these sort of questions and sections and, and your case study is slowly taking form and you're, you've got evidence that you're beginning to, to link in and form your appendices and all that, don't wait till near the end to submit it to your tutor. Um, you should sort of discuss with them about key points of when you should submit drafts because the quicker, uh, the, the sooner rather, um, you can get some feedback. The, the less waste of time you're potentially doing you know uh, your tutor will know the sort of subject matter or form format or, or whatever it be that the external examiners are looking for so they can guide you that you're taking the right approach or the wrong approach or your your question that could be about appointments you know is lacking in its argument or in its analysis you know you could just be solely focused on one point of the appointment and ignoring the rest which is more relevant uh, to your question so uh, images uh, an interesting one don't just pad out your case study with a load of images there's got to be um, a relationship to what you're you're writing about you know it's it becomes pretty obvious that you're just padding stuff out and kind of marks against you really um have a careful thing it doesn't there's nothing wrong with just words in your case study you know if it's written well then it'll do um but if you have some graphics that will add to your case or enhance or explain a little bit more in diagrammatic form than wasting um 150 words saying it you know then Go for it. Uh, format your case study in the appropriate manner. How to reference appendices, how to reference um, quotes or books or whatever it may be. So, um, quick snapshot of don'ts. Don't treat it like a diary. Don't just jump in and begin to let the words flow, as it were. Um, don't focus on just one area of a project do do structure you know you can do a pretty quick um, diagrammatic structure of what you want to say and do or topics you want to cover get your tutor to review that um, do it add some diagrams you know that show um, communication paths appointment paths um, timelines whatever it be that does add to your your case study and your argument or your your points do um, find as much evidence as you can so that you understand fully your project you know um, do 
try and demonstrate your understanding of how a project is run. You know, so if you're talking about planning, do touch on your appointments, you know, your scope of services, your understanding of um, planning policies, your understanding of, of how the planning procedure is. You know, um, again, diagrams can help with this. Uh, so you don't have to waste those valuable words because um, word count is usually um, pretty tight. Um, on subjects of tutors, do send your drafts as soon as you can. Do get feedback. Don't wait till the very last minute um, because it, it can be quite a big, heavy document. And if you wait till the very end, um, sometimes um, it can take quite a long time before you'll get feedback and your time might be cutting it short. If you if you ask for feedback earlier on in, in regular stages that you can set out with your tutor, then you're not going to, you, you know, if you're drifting from your point or if you're drifting from your overall case study and it's kind of now breaking up and it's a bit segmented and doesn't make sense, your tutor can kind of pull you back in and explain how or why this is happening. Don't wait till the very end of your study to do it um, because you're going to touch on an awful lot of subject matter potentially that you may not know straight off the bat and will need to learn. So I would take advantage of the fact that you have to have a case study and you have to set out your strategy of what questions you're going to ask and what areas of a project. Use that as a as your guide of what things you're going to need to learn. You know, So if you don't know much about procurement types, that's an advantage that use that to push you into learning that and, and making your notes and try and link it into your lectures that you'll inevitably have in your part three. Okay, I think we'll we'll round it off there. Um, it can be very stressful, but if you um, take on board at least one of these um, do's or don'ts, um, I think it'll, it should help you. Um, don't be afraid of it. Um, and I think we'll stop there. Thanks for listening. Um, tune in to the next episode. See you then. Mm-hmm.